When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Friday here in the North Shore Drive podcast, the Pittsburgh Steelers got another win, 20-16 to over the Tennessee Titans. But how do they keep doing this in the fourth quarter? We'll talk about that and how the rookies continue to step up for this Steelers team. It's Chris Carter and Brian Batko from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, the North Shore Drive podcast. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello, welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Steelers reporter Brian Batko. We are here talking. Steelers went over the Tennessee Titans, 20-16 to at Acrisure Stadium. Both of us were up pretty late. 20 to 16. Uh, I get watching that game at Acrisure Stadium. Brian, we got to get to a lot of things here. But yep. the bottom line, I think that everyone's asking themselves is how in the world is Kenny Pickett still leading these game winning drives, these fourth quarter comebacks? It's not just once or twice. He's now done it, had seven game winning drives, six fourth quarter comebacks. It's an insane rate. His numbers through the first through third quarters of this game, 14 to 23 for 113 yards, a passer rating of 73.2. In the fourth quarter, he's 5 of 7 for 47 yards, a touchdown. His passer rating jumps up to 129.1. What is – how is this even sustainable? Because it's happened so many times now. I still don't know that it is sustainable, Chris. I mean, it it seems like, yeah, every, every, every win for the Steelers includes – one or two big throws by Kenny Pickett that just weren't there over the first three quarters. And, you know, it is weird to say that it it doesn't feel like it's a repeatable thing. It doesn't feel like it gives you a ton of encouragement about his overall body of work. And yet there were moments in the fourth quarter of that Jaguars game last week where you're like, maybe if it's Pickett here instead of Mitch Trubisky, he does the typical Kenny Pickett thing, and, and that game has a different look to it. I I wouldn't bet on that, but you just never know, and you're right. I mean, the numbers are – you can't dispute them. They, they are very favorable toward Kenny Pickett when the game gets close, when the going gets tight. I feel like for most of Thursday night, Will Levis outplayed him. For most of Thursday night, Will Levis looked like the better young quarterback. And really, at halftime, I'm thinking to myself, it's not doing Kenny Pickett and the Steelers any favors to put these two guys side by side. I mean, the arm talent, the zip on the ball, some of the playmaking ability yeah. that Levis showed. And yet Pickett proves once again, you know, not just with the fourth quarter plays, but through the balance of the game, he shows once again why the Steelers like him for their recipe of winning football games. He doesn't turn it over. He had a he flirted with a couple potential turnover worthy plays, possible interceptions, but still doesn't make the big mistake that Levis made there uh, at the end. You know, serving up the pick to, to Quan Alexander. And I don't know about you, Chris, but I really got the feeling 
on that final Titans drive after they hit the big one uh, to, to get over the middle of the field to get into Steelers territory. I was like, this is ending with a Will Levis touchdown pass and mm. the prevent defense that the Steelers played was going to get them into trouble. And yet that's not what happened. Instead he turned it over and it was yet another data point for when the Steelers don't turn it over, they tend to win the game. And I know game manager is like, viewed by many as a backhanded compliment, but Kenny Pickett does a pretty darn good job of that. If that's his job description. I, I agree. You know, right now, I mean, he's not, he doesn't look good in the first three quarters. He looks bad. In fact, like his, his first quarter pass rating is like, is like one of the worst in the NFL. It's like in the forties. Um, and he was still but, erratic last night. I mean, you know, he, he was missing everybody. Yeah. I mean, wide yeah. open guys yeah. and, and not, and not just like the deep ball to Calvin Austin. Cause that's one thing. It's 50 yards downfield. I understand missing. Although that, you got to put that out there, right? Like, right. If, Let if, you're a, if you're a, if you're an elite NFL quarterback, you got to have the arm strength to get that ball out there, so that you're the fastest player on your team can out race, yeah, out race an inside linebacker and run under that thing. But but but, but see, let, let's throw that one out. Yeah, the George Pickens crosser, where he's just he's wide open over the middle of the field, and he just yeah. sails it like yeah. five feet above his head. Just Deontay must have been Johnson, outside. <laughs> just exactly, and the Deontay Johnson running like a five yard out, and he'll just throw it to the to the stands. And I'm like, what what changes about this guy? Because then he throws that 32 yard dime down the sideline with perfect coverage, like literally Johnson's being pinned to the sideline. It's put right in his chest. I don't. I don't think we've we've seen things like that. Like people comparing to Tim Tebow, Tim Tebow would often like have a crazy run or like a, the, the defense would like slip and he would and he would throw it right where they slipped at the at the, at the time and things things like that. He is he makes elite level throws in the fourth quarter and like third string throws in, in the in the first in, in throughout the, the other parts of the game. And I don't I don't understand. I can't explain why or how that happens. And I mean, I've been watching the NFL. I've studied things. I look at things. I'm trying to look, pick things up. I don't know what changes for him other than you could just say he's been clutch in a lot of these games. He's like a, I guess he's like a baseball player who strikes out and pops out the first few times he's up, but you let him get to the plate in the ninth and he's putting one out of the ballpark. Like, I don't even know if that's the right analogy maybe it's like a basketball player who you know he, he, shoot, he shoots a lot but eventually he heats up at the end and he kind of takes over the game and puts the team on his back yeah it's it's strange um you know the the overall like uh, you know I think more than anything I'm I'm somebody who subscribes to believing in logic and you know I think analytics have a big place in the game and numbers are going to level off over time to where they're mm -hmm. supposed to be. So that part of me thinks, look, eventually Kenny Pickett's going to kind of plateau and you're going to see the overall performance. You know, it's it's going to regress essentially to the mean. It's not always going to be these strange random spikes in the fourth quarter. But the more he does it, the more there is something to be said for, like, as you put it, Chris, you know, just that, that clutch gene that – we always talk about quarterbacks who don't have the clutch gene, right? You always right. talk about guys like a Kirk Cousins who seems to play well for three quarters and then can't get over the hump. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, probably another one who in the prime mm -hmm. of his career was kind of like that in the Super Bowl, you know, points that up. But you don't tend to really and, – and, and I guess like maybe this is just because we're so close to it and – it's local bias, but Ben Roethlisberger would probably be one quarterback who comes to mind of like, 
he can play terrible for a lot of the game and then all of a sudden he he's at his best when it's when it's late and when you don't expect it so um it's not a typical trajectory it's not one that i still think is particularly filling me with optimism but they are 5 and 3 they have one i think it's now eight straight one possession games and i know that's kind of arbitrary like the jaguars game was close yeah. into the fourth quarter and it, it just ended up being a 10 point win but like Mitch Trubisky even talked after that game about hey if I don't he paraphrasing what he said it was kind of like if I don't throw a pick or two it's a it's a one possession game and we know how we feel about ourselves when it's one score or less TJ Watt Alex Highsmith tend to come through you know Kenny Pickett tends to come through when he's at quarterback so it's it's not a formula that I, I think is good for the long term but maybe deep down Mike Tomlin just thinks like look with the personnel that we have right now this is our best chance of of consistently winning and it is hard to argue with the results it's it's hard to argue with it and listen I understand the analytics part of it where people are like eventually when you keep having to win one score games it comes back to bite you but like the Steelers team they they, they keep they keep doing this and it feels like the part of them that if they can just fix the part of them that is putting them, forcing them to have to be in one score games. And that's mainly the offense, just making routine plays. I mean, you could look through the game again, the Pickens crosser, uh, there was a, the, the, the low pass to Allen Robinson in the end yeah. zone on third down. Connor Hayward's wide that. open in the middle of the end zone. You just do two of those things or even outside of Kenny Pickett, George Pickens. If he just taps his toe on that, these are, this is a wholly different ball game. And maybe the Steelers do win by multiple possessions in this game for the first time this season. Like, I don't, I don't know if that means that, Hey, if they can get better, these, this won't be an issue. Or if that means this is just going to be an issue and eventually it's going to come back to bite them in a, in a bad way. But I agree that is their identity right now for good or for bad. Yeah, I do think, you know, it, everything that I'm seeing tells me they're just a team that's not good enough to really win decisively in this league. And Tomlin talked about that on Monday when, you know, the the uh, uh, official officiating got brought up again after the Jaguars mm-hmm. lost. And he's like, look, it's our desire to win definitively to to make sure that those close calls don't factor into the outcome. And I, I give him credit for saying that. But at the same time, it also just points to how bad they are at winning definitively. It just doesn't really happen for them. I don't really think they're good enough to do that. Granted, you know, the Packers are not a good football team right now. So if there were ever a chance to do it, it's probably next Sunday coming off the long, the longer layoff, the mini buy. And I guess just, you know, one more sports analogy would be like, they're, they're a boxer who gets beat up for (laughs) nine rounds. You know, they just, they're taking punches, they're leaking oil People are saying maybe they should stop the fight, but uh, then all of a sudden they start landing, uh, they start landing hooks and they start landing jabs. And next thing you know, the other guy's kind of wobbly on his feet. And, you know, Kenny Pickett kind of throws a knockout punch uh, here and there and it, it gets the job done. And that it, and, and the funny thing about it is like that is the narrative because he does have all the fourth quarter comebacks and a stat sheet. But, you know, you think back to the Browns game, like he didn't do anything really to, to put that one away. Um, you know, the, the offense truly backed into that, is that very victory. True. And the Raiders won barely. You know, Allen Robinson catches that one along the sideline and just curls into a ball and they still 
uh, you know, had to end up uh, squeaking it out. And the Rams game, you know, he, he falls and gets the first down by a centimeter with maybe a generous spot. So it's it's not like he's always putting on the superhero cape, but, you know, the Ravens game obviously get got it done. And then last night, like you said, dropped it in the bucket to Deontay Johnson and then made up for his, uh, you know, his offensive teammates shooting themselves in the foot at the goal line there with the penalty. Mm-hmm. So you you do tip your cap to him when he pulls it out, but you're right. You wish at some point you won't have to just pull it out. I agree. We have so many more things to talk about this game. It's not just about Kenny Pickett, the offense, the rookies from the Steelers continue to look very impressive. We got to talk about Joey Porter Jr. Cause he had some words to share at, about this game and rightfully so we'll get to all of that in a minute here on the North shore drive podcast and the Pittsburgh post Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter. He's Brian Batko. And, but first I want to remind you, this show is brought to you by the best bar in Pittsburgh, Mike's beer bar. Let me tell you, when you go to the North shore Steelers game, there's no better place to pregame or do your post game than Mike's beer bar. You go there, they have 20 televisions so you can keep watching whatever sports you want, but also they have 500 different available beers. So whether you will have a sad beer or a happy beer for whenever the Steelers win, you can get your beer at Mike's beer bar at 300 of those beers are local beers 80 of the uh, of those beers are on available on tap and they're switching the taps out every week so you're getting new options every single time whether you like ipas pale ale stouts uh hefeweizens whatever you like mike mike's beer bar has and it's an amazing option also they have great food they have steak on a stone which brings you a, a, your a choice cut a steak of your of your own choice and when you get it it's on a heated stone so literally as you cut every piece off you press it into that stone and you choose how well you want your steak done it's such an amazing bar go to mike's beer bar today on the north shore of pittsburgh right across the street from pnc park on federal street and when you get there tell them chris sent you we're also brought to you by the Great Yinzer Tailgate, which is tomorrow, Saturday, November 4th in South Point. The Great Yinzer Tailgate is bringing the best of the Berg to South Point, showcasing Pittsburgh's rich sports, rich, rich culture, iconic sports history, and vibrant community spirit. The Great Yinzer Tailgate will immerse you in a unique blend of traditions that make Pittsburgh legendary. Visit www.thegreatyinzertailgate.com for details. See Yins. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're back here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. It's Chris Carter. It's Brian Badko. Brian, we got to talk about Joey Porter Jr. Because, man, did he have some things to say after 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 that game and right rightfully so right because he was a he, he had a he had a pretty big performance uh he told he, he informed us in the locker room that he asked the coaches to be able to shadow deandre hopkins and according to nfl's next gen stats shadow he did deandre hopkins ran 36 routes on 26 of them joy porter jr was the guy covering him and he, he pressed him almost 77 percent of the time on those routes and allowed just one reception for 17 yards to DeAndre Hopkins, who last week scored three touchdowns and in a huge way for the Tennessee Titans. And you know, and you know what? The Falcons had somebody shadowing DeAndre Hopkins last week. His name's AJ Terrell. I believe he was a second team all pro. Yeah. 
within yeah. the last year or two, and he got cooked. So what does that tell you maybe about what Joey Porter Jr. is doing this early into his career? He's he's walking the walk, and as I think you're about to queue up right here, Chris, he's also talking the talk. He said, he said, quote, I want 10, meaning DeAndre Hopkins. That's what I was looking for. I don't really hide from nothing. I said, that's the matchup I want. That's the matchup I need. He also later went on to say, he's like, people don't, I don't have to see people. People have to come see me. And I'm like, whoa, that is, that is some Joey Porter senior talking right there. Right. Cause the, the way that he's talking trash and he's feeling, he's getting a chance to prove himself again. He's just a rookie. This is what his third start or something like that. Like, he second he is, he's second okay second start he's out there talking about one of a guy DeAndre Hopkins who might be in the Hall of Fame someday so like it will be yeah and, and like that's that's impressive Brian and that's the third one because Devontae mm-hmm. Adams same thing week three Joey wasn't yep. playing as much at that time but when he was yep. he saw some of uh possibly another future gold jacket guy and then week five we all saw the you know the viral clip of him uh, talking his talk about Odell Beckham. So, I mean, that's three kind of legends of the game right there that he's gone toe-to-toe with. And I'd say he's – I don't know that he got the better of Devontae Adams, but certainly got the better of Odell Beckham and DeAndre Hopkins. So this has been a very intriguing start to his Steelers career, probably better than anybody could have imagined, honestly. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's looking so well. And here's the question, Brian. Are the Steelers at fault for not starting him earlier this season? Or is it they're benching? Or is it they're letting him marinate behind the starters that is helping him have this this great start so far? Yeah, I mean, it's really difficult to say, right? Because I think there's two there's two schools of thought there. Like, I was one of the people probably saying as early as week two, maybe even week one, when Patrick Peterson was, um, <laughs> you know, getting undressed by by Brandon Ayuk uh, against the Niners. Certainly, though, by week two, when Levi Wallace was also having his troubles, it's like, hey, Mike Tomlin gets gets asked about it. Terrell Austin gets asked about it. It's, you know, Joey didn't play much because he's in our dime package, and that's the only time he's on the field. And I think it was easy for Joe the plumber to just be like, why don't you just put him in something other than your dime package? You know, that, <laughs> that would get him on the field more. So, you know, that's like my gut. But, you know, then I watch how well he's played these last couple weeks, and I think, Maybe the Steelers kind of knew what they were doing. Maybe they didn't give him too much too soon, let him sort of get comfortable. And he certainly is comfortable. You know, it's it's not just the way that he's playing on the field, but you're right. Everything he's saying afterward, just he's brimming with confidence right now. I think that can that can be a fragile thing for a guy at his position. You know, every corner is going to get beat. Every corner is going to get burned. Every corner is going to have bad games. Like he's going to have bad games eventually, but Right now, he's he's looking like a guy who probably was ready for this uh, earlier than they gave him the shot. But much like the Steelers' record in close games, hard to argue with the results of it because uh, they, you know, he did strap up DeAndre Hopkins. He did uh, play as well as he did uh, against the Rams. So uh, you you give him you give him credit, and you know you you hope that uh, it's going to continue. It, it sure looks like it is, and obviously there's no turning back now, I think, with the Steelers rolling him out there as a starter over Levi Wallace. Is this enough for the Steelers' secondary to compete in games if Mika Fitzpatrick returns? Uh, because also, Joey Porter Jr. You know, praised DeMonte KZ for stepping up the communication. Yeah, he was very – I thought – I thought he was an unsung hero yeah. uh, last night. You know, he, he he wasn't perfect. He 
Derrick Henry was <laughs> nearly uh nearly detonated him on one run and, and KZ kind of kind of just uh Ole defense out of the way on that one. But that was after he tripped up Henry on yep. what I think was probably it a touchdown, been a touchdown saving tackle. And yeah. just, you know, watching him on the back end, he's, he's kind of all over the place. We know he had the pick last week that, uh, you know, he told me in the locker room a few days later, he wasn't even happy about that interception because he did take it out of the end zone and ran out at the two. So, I mean, he's making plays, though. Uh, he's kind of doing his best Minka impression. Not perfect. Uh, nobody will be, but... K, you know, as good as KZ and, and Porter have been, I'm, I've still got some concerns about it. You know, Patrick Peterson was not good Thursday night. It was, uh, you know, every week in my instant analysis that goes up right when the game ends on the Post-Gazette website, we've got a player of the game, we've got a trending up, and we've got a trending down section. It was neck and neck between George Pickens and Patrick Peterson uh, to be featured in, tr- featured in trending down and eventually went with Pickens because it's two games in a row now of, of struggles, but, you know, Peterson, I think he gave up three catches for 50 yards. I think he had, you know, he had two of the illegal contacts downfield that really proved costly. Could have been even worse had they lost that game. So I'm still a bit worried about the overall makeup of it. And, you know, Keanu Neal and coverage is never going to fill me with a ton of optimism, but at least it looks like you've got a number one corner who can, uh, you know, follow when you're in a, a situation like you are with Hopkins. That's not always going to be the approach, I don't think. Like, you look ahead to the Packers next week. You know, they don't really have a guy, I think, that you need to shadow. You can probably just leave Joey Porter Jr. on the left side and try to take away one half of the field. But it it gives the Steelers options, and, you know, it's not really something they've traditionally done. So I, I give everybody here credit. I give Porter credit for being up to the challenge. I give Tomlin and Austin credit for being willing to kind of break from – their normal uh, machinations of their secondary. And I give the other uh, defensive backs credit because that means they kind of had to revolve around him a little bit more, especially Peterson moving from side to side. Absolutely. Uh, I agree with, I agree with that. I mean, Steelers finding ways to win in, di- in different ways with their, with, especially with their secondary moving around. And again, without Minka Fitzpatrick, it's one thing when he's out yeah. there and he can help you take away, take away another person. He can help you. He, you can balance the defense a little bit more, but literally having Casey. I, my last question here about the secondary before we talk about Broderick Jones and the offensive line, because that's another big storyline of this game. Joey Porter Jr. And, and the secondary, they got called for quite a few penalties in, in the past game. There were some defensive holdings out. There were some of those calls I thought were mm, ticky-tack at, at best, especially the fourth down one at the end of the game that kept the Titans' final drive a, a, a lot alive there. Is that – do you see that maturing into a bigger problem or are these things that you think can either get corrected or just might not get called in some other situations? I mean, it could be a problem. I actually think it's, and this was a you know part of the knock on Porter coming out of Penn State was that he can mm-hmm. be very handsy. That physicality and that length almost works against him at times because it's it's just a natural instinct probably to to use those long arms, use those big hands on receivers, and you know their refs are watching for that. So you you can't uh, you can't be too grabby and and try to um, you know make up for change of direction stuff with you know with that but I think it's less of a problem for him and I'm almost more so concerned about Pat P at age 33 trying to keep up with younger receivers and Kirk Herbstreet was even talking about it on the broadcast last night I was listening while watching the game live in the press box that you know older corners trying to use every little trick in in the book to to try to keep up and you know make up for lack of a you know 
speed and athleticism and quickness at this point by maybe being uh, a little bit of a grizzled veteran, that's not always going to cut it. So I think that was one of the concerns with Patrick Peterson signing here at, at his age, at this stage of his career. And you just, uh, if you're the Steelers, you hope that that's not going to be a sign of things to come for him. Because if he falls off a cliff, you're either going back to the Levi Wallace well or James Pierre or Darius Rush. You know, you're in for a big role, sink or swim, because, you know, trade deadline is passed. Terrible timing for a Cole Holcomb injury. I don't know that they would have made a move at inside linebacker anyway, but assuming he's out for the season, which it sure looks like, um, there's not a ton of options right now on the roster to, to try to fill in either there or the secondary. We got to talk about the offensive line because Broderick Jones made a start, and Brian, we got to talk about why he made the start and if he'll continue to start after the way the Steelers' offensive line performed. We'll talk about that more here on the North Shore Drive podcast. And the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, it's Chris Carter and Brian Batko. But first, I want to remind you, this show is also brought to you by Savinas, Kane, and Gallucci. They're mesothelioma and asbestos lawyers that bring you over 85 years of experience when you get when, when you get when you go into their office. Call them now today for a free consultation. That's Savinas, Kane, and Gallucci. We're also brought to you by GameTime.co. We're buying tickets to your favorite events. Shouldn't be stressful because GameTime is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for your for your sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. If you ever had to buy tickets for an event and you're running late or you aren't comfortable with what your seats might be. Game Time is the app you can download right to your phone that lets you see the view from the seats that you're looking to buy and removes all the hidden fees so that you know exactly what you're paying for what you're getting every single time. It's two taps of a button and the tickets are yours. And you can buy tickets even up to the last minute, even up to an hour after your event has started if you're running behind and need and need tickets. And again, Game Time is so confident that they're going to get you the best prices that they give you a best price guarantee that can't be beat. Because if you find tickets in the same section and row for less somewhere else, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag, snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PITTPIT for $20 off your first purchase or go to their website, GameTime.co. Terms and conditions apply. Create an account and redeem code PITTPIT for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. We're back here on the North Shore Drive podcast for the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. It's Chris Carter. It's Brian Batko. Brian, we got to talk about this offensive line. Now, let's break down first why Broderick Jones was starting. Chuk Sakura for, you know, you know, he replaced him. Of all the people, you think that in that situation, oh, Broderick Jones was starting, he probably took Dan Dan Moore's spot. No, he moves to right tackle in place of Chuk Sakura for, and you were there when Chooks explained why. Can you enlighten us here? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a mild-mannered offensive line, I would say, Chris. I mean, you're in the yeah. locker room. All, all five of the starters in this group are not real. They're not like Marquise Pouncey, kind of intimidating, you know, even, uh, you know, some of the some of the previous uh, Steelers, line, like Zach Banner, I would say Kevin Dotson was, was a fiery guy at times as well. But 
you know, this group's pretty, you know, they're veterans, they're laid back, but Chuk said that after the game, you know, it wasn't anything health related as people speculated, which I didn't think so. He wasn't on the injury report and he was in uniform, you know, he was available if there were an injury. He said it was, you know, he found out, he was shocked when he found out that Tomlin was benching him for acting out at the end of the Jaguars game. Something he said stuff he shouldn't have said as a sixth year veteran and somebody else followed up with him. Was that stuff that you said to the Jaguars or your own teammates? And he didn't really want to comment further on that. So I think you can kind of read between the lines. Like, what does Tomlin always say? You'd rather say, whoa, than sick him, right? If it comes yeah. to trash talk. So it must have been something beyond the ordinary for Chooks. And I give uh, I give Chooks a core for credit for being a man about it, speaking about it, um, you know, owning it, essentially. And, you know, he hopes that he's back out there as a starter, but... I don't know, man. Broderick Jones played uh, played really well in his absence. And interesting, though, that the Steelers, like you said, plugged him in at right. Obviously, they knew early in the week that uh, that the Chooks was going to be disciplined for that. And yet, even with a couple, you know, two or three, you know, two one and a half practices to work it, uh, they kept Dan Moore on the left side and and went with Broderick Jones on the right. But he looked natural. He looked uh, looked like an easy mover at right tackle, as they say. It's interesting with Chooks because I remember at the end of the Rams game after Kenny Pickett had did get that quarterback sneak, uh, he was getting into it with a Rams player and Najee Harris had to separate him to stop him from drawing a penalty there that could have impacted the Steelers game further there. So, you know, maybe there is something that that, that the Steelers are trying to get a message across to Chooks, but whatever the message is about Chooks, I don't care. Roderick Jones has to start. He's now started two games, one at left tackle, one at right tackle. And in both those showings, I think he's been better than any of any of the either starting to tackles at those positions all, all season long. And it's it, it just it, it's similar to the Joey Porter discussion, right? Like maybe it's you know, this time is being benched, it's allowed him to, to take things in, but he, he looks like your best option. You got you got to play him moving forward. And if, if they if the Steelers come out next week, you know they have ten days off. They're getting ready for the Packers here. And if they if if it's a core four and more again at starting an offensive tackle, I I won't understand it. But we know that they went back to Dan Moore at left tackle when he missed the yep. game because of injury, and Broderick Jones played so well against the Ravens. It is uh that's it's it's a bit of a dumbfounding situation. I I was pretty stunned that they and didn't keep Broderick Jones in there at left tackle. I think at that point, you just say to Dan Moore, look, we're all big boys here. Uh, I know you lost your job due to injury, but he also played better than you did when you were healthy. They, they went a different direction, and Moore hasn't necessarily been bad since then. Not you know, It's not an indictment on him, but I would agree with you, Chris. You know, Two starts in, I don't, uh, I don't have an eye for offensive line play the way you or Ray Fittipaldo do, but even as just a casual observer of of the o-line i mean he jumps off the the screen i mean he jumps off the field when you're watching him from the press box you notice him in a good way he is moving to the second level pushing people around and and run blocking and i think that was the hope with him coming out of georgia that he could elevate your ability there and he's he's doing that without sacrificing really much if anything in pass protection couple penalties that you don't want to see especially that late one on the extra point where he just lost his mind. I mean, he, he takes his helmet off. He's jawing with the Titans guy. And it was funny. There was a little scene in the locker room afterward. I think this might've been after all the reporters talked to Broderick Jones and, you know, he, he acquitted himself well too. He always does handle himself well mm-hmm. when he gets questions about why are you not starting? Are you going to start going forward? 
but after all that, you know, everybody's happy, go lucky in a good mood. And I think Mike Tomlin, you know, kind of came over to him and confronted him with a smile on his face, but addressed that penalty. And basically it was like, just admit it, kind of like admit it now, give me a straight answer. What were you doing? And I, I'm, I'm sure Broderick Jones probably said, look, yeah, that's on me. That's my bad. I, I can't be doing that at that stage of the game. So they're, they're ironing out some of the, uh, you know, the, the rawness of the rookie, both in terms of technique, but also uh, keeping your, keeping your cool late in a close game. So it's just everything trending up for Broderick Jones, doing it on both sides of the line. He's versatile. He's talented. Wouldn't shock me if Okorafor is back in there, but if that's the case, you got to think next misstep by either guy on either side gives you, it just gives you a, a very, very easy out, easy off ramp to go to the first round pick. I, I look at the Steelers and a big thing that we talked about being a theme for the Steelers offense was supposed to balance everything, make things easy with Kenny Pickett was going to be to run the football. And they had not been able to run the football for most of this season, but in this game, they ran the football. Jalen Warren, 11, 11 carries for 88 yards. Najee Harris, 16 carries for a nice 69 yards. And that carry. is not a and bad a defense. I know some people right. are going to say, oh, the Titans or whatever, they were three and four. But, like, their defensive issues were mainly in the secondary. And I mean, Yeah, that's a run that, defense. Yeah, that's a, that's a run. Like, that's a Mike Vrabel coach team with uh, some goons up front, as Mike Tomlin Jeffrey Simmons is a bad man. He like, was, uh, you know, speaking of the instant analysis, he was he was right there in my player of the game section until the whole thing flipped and I, I pivoted to Jalen Warren. But point being, yeah, it's not like they ran it against, uh, I don't know, who's who's a bad run defense. Um, it's not like they, <laughs> not like they ran it against themselves. It's not like they ran it against the 2022 Steelers. Good, good call, Carter. But uh, yeah, impressive what what all those guys were able to do, but especially Broderick Jones. No, absolutely. And again, 30 carries, 5.5 yards overall on the ground, 166 rushing yards, most they've had on the season. And, you know, if, if if Broderick Jones being on the line, and maybe it's also just the roller coaster of the season for this offensive line, you know, against the Rams, I thought they played very well against the Jaguars. I thought they had their worst collective game as, as a unit on the season. And then this week, their best collective game I, I've, I've seen from them. Isaac Sayamalu moving guys off the ball. James Daniels going and getting guys. Even Mason Jones. Cole was looking for something. Yes. I mean, it wasn't perfect, yes. but he was looking for work, and he, he certainly looked better than he had the first seven games. Collectively, they gave up four pressures the entire game, two from Siamalu, one from Broderick Jones, one from Dan Moore Jr., uh, and that's on 34 uh, dropbacks in, in there. That's a pretty good rate for an offensive line in, in this game. Kenny Pickett, I believe he wasn't sacked once in Correct. this game. Um, so uh, I, I look at that and I think, man, like, you know, if if Broderick Jones being in there helps this group that much, you have to keep riding with him. Again, you drafted him for a reason. Put him in there. And at this point, it'll be like, you know what? Chooks, Dan, whichever one you use the least liability, that's who's 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 gonna be in there in there to start. But I think right now, if you're Mike Tomlin, if you're Pat Meyer, if you're Matt Canada, and you're and you're looking at this offensive line, you gotta find a way to make sure number 77's out there. And also I think wherever he is on the offensive line, left or right, I'm making sure John L. Washington's right next to him because the two of them, when they were blocking, especially you go back to that Najee Harris touchdown run, just the things that they're able to do together on top of, you know, whoever's the guard next to him, Daniels or Sayamalu, they're getting things done. They're moving guys. They're getting them out the club, as, as coaches will say when they're talking to linemen about blocking well. There's something there that the Steelers can capitalize on to generate more space in the ground game. 
Yeah, those are two big bodies who've known each other for a long time and probably have some pretty good chemistry on those duo blocks. But yeah, I mean, the last thing I'll say on this, I I, I give mm-hmm. uh, I give Dan Moore and Chuksakora for credit. You know, Moore's always he's said all the right things since Broderick Jones was drafted at his position in the first round. And last night, Chuk said he once he found out he was starting, while he didn't want to hear that, or once he found out he was benched, he didn't want to hear that, of course, but he. Went right there. He said nothing I could do except help Broderick out. And he gave him a ton of praise for how he played. Said it was really impressive to go from the left side to the right and play like that. So it seems like there's good chemistry in that O-line room, despite having kind of a, a third wheel situation right now with the rookie. Absolutely. We'll have a lot more to break down on the Monday episode of the North Shore Drive podcast after we get to the full weekend here and see where the Steelers are. This is kind of their mini buy now. Will they get like as Mike Tomlin said, they're in the clubhouse with the necessary win for the victories. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's a weekend. Steelers fans can watch other football teams stress out this weekend. I think Steelers fans are are feeling pretty good about being five and three, despite all the things that this team has gone through. Will they get Mika Fitzpatrick back next week? We'll find out a lot of things and we'll talk to you here on the on the Monday edition of the North Shore Drive podcast of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Thanks again for tuning in. Remember, you can find this show on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoyed it. Subscribe to this channel to get all of our daily content that comes out from Post-Gazette Sports and especially the North Shore Drive comeback, uh, North Shore Drive podcast that comes out on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and sometimes Saturdays when we have the Accuracy Fan Advantage. We'll see you again Monday here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For three months of digital access to post-gazette.com at 99 cents, click the link below in the description.